The Start. On Demand. On Demand. Premier Brian Pallister and Dr. Brent Rusin are speaking today on potentially loosened restrictions that could take effect as of Friday. So we had some discussion on that. Also, the Starlight Investments deal on Portage Place is in danger of dying as the feds miss the deadline for funding. Premier Brian Pallister on Monday made a pitch on holding referenda for big hydro projects. Do we even need those or... Isn't that what the elected officials are for? To make those decisions for us? And if you could live anywhere in Manitoba, anywhere at all, no matter how silly a suggestion, where would that be? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, March 2nd podcast for The Start. Mackling McGarry as McNabb is... You know, as much as I like to start the day with Fozzie, that's what we're listening to right now, Chris Jericho's band, Winnipeg's own Chris Jericho, I uh, got a different song in my head today. Now, as you know, I grew up in Transcona, so when I hear the word Starlight, I think of the drive-in from when I was a kid, then later Starlight Billiards at Regent and Rougeau from my late teens and early 20s. But the word starlight has taken on a different meaning in Winnipeg over the last several months. And a big development yesterday, GMAC. Yeah, it's uh, obviously something we've been talking about for months and months. It was a story we actually broke right here on 680 CJOB. And it looks as though the folks from Toronto came in on their on their white horse. Uh, I don't know uh, if they uh, had lights on their horse or on their or on their outfit on the back of that horse, but was it the Electric Horseman with Robert Redford back from the 1970s that I'm thinking of right now? Oh, my. But it sounds as though they're considering packing up and heading back to Toronto because the federal government, Loren, has uh, not responded to their request for support to the tune of $20 million, although the city and the province are on board, nothing from the feds. And depending on how you feel about public dollars going into private investments like this, you might be thinking, good, walk away. I'm not for this deal. But the deal was a $400 million redevelopment of Portage Place. That's a mall I think we can all say uh, is in bad need of not just redevelopment, but that whole area really needs a, a rebirth, if you will. Hudson's Bay has its boards up on the window. Uh, the Hudson Bay Company shut down late last year. Uh, it, its space is dead. Portage Place has been struggling with its businesses there. And so this company, yep, from Toronto, came in and said, we're in. We're going to develop a $400 million uh, complex that's going to be mixed use. There's going to be some towers for people to live in. There'll be a community living or community shared space. They had all these ideas that rendering looked great. You know, the pitch seemed relatively strong. But yeah, the ask was that if they were going to do this, they wanted 20, 20, 20, 20 million from each level of government. The deadline was 5 p.m. yesterday for the federal government. And as far as I know, there's been relative silence, at least publicly. I have emailed personally Dan Vandale's office. He's the federal liberal MP and is the part of the person who be on this file. Uh, we are sending emails out to Jim Carr's office, who's also one of the highest ranking uh, MPs that goes to Ottawa. And we really aren't hearing a lot back from them. So I don't, I don't know where this sits. If it's just an example of saying, hang on, we're just working on the, 
dotting their I's and crossing the T's, or maybe there's no I's or T's or lines or signatures written at all. It like, seems who knows odd. If it's dead or if it's just delayed. Yeah, it just seems odd. Sorry to interrupt you there, Loren. That that there would be no definitive or at least some sort of quantitative statement from the federal government. Yes, we're at this point in the process, or no, there is no process. We're not interested in pursuing this project. End of discussion. But the fact that there's been zero impact or input from the federal government does that suggest to you you've got far more experience in these things than i have does it suggest to you that the file is still open yeah i think it's open i don't think it's dead i think it's delayed i think that's a there's a pandemic there's all sorts of things to and i'm going to use the word hide behind i don't necessarily think anyone's hiding i just don't know where this would sit on a priority level and it's probably worked its way up pretty much as far as it can go and so it's not just sitting on uh you know uh, a desk in say the basement of parliament hill i think i think it's really gone up and now we'll just have to wait i i can't imagine why 20 million dollars would be an ask that would be too much for the federal government. Maybe there's some things that they'd like to see. Maybe they're worried about strings attached. Who knows? I think it's just delayed, not dead. And Starlight's sort of hitting the button saying, well, we're out unless you're in. And, and that's their that's the way they have to play that game too. So there's lots to discuss about this today because if it goes, say that's a big if, I think, then goodness, what is next for that huge stretch of land mm. in downtown Winnipeg? Or do we just wait and see? And I, I think we're going to have to be patient and wait. So we'll have more on this at 7.07 with Kate Fenske from downtown Winnipeg Biz. And Greg, do we need to have a referendum on Portage Place? (laughs) Well, I was suggesting last night it might be time for us to download or at least create that Vote for Everything app on our phones because here we go again, Premier Brian Pallister on the heels of that public survey with regard to COVID, uh, survey three or four on our uh, feelings around uh, restrictions on COVID-19 and then yesterday the release, or Friday actually, the report from former Saskatchewan Premier Brad Wall on Manitoba Hydro and the pledge from the premier yesterday to give you a say on what's going on at Manitoba Hydro. And uh, Loren, I suspect maybe we just get rid of the board of directors. We get rid of the CEO. What's the sense in having all these all these high-priced CEOs and uh, individuals that are supposed to be making the right choices on staff uh, when they can just ask us what the best yeah. thing to do is? I certainly feel I have a lot of experience in this because I use electricity. So I would like to definitely have a say in a dam (laughs) that's being built. But that's tongue in cheek. Look, he's saying that there's billions of dollars in cost overruns. These projects were done uh, with what he feels was without enough say from Manitobans. I'm wondering how much say Manitobans really even want when it comes to big infrastructure projects that have to do with our public utilities. It's, you know, it's not an expertise I have. I didn't want to have a say in Portage, Maine. I elected officials for that and that was a much smaller much less expensive decision. So let us know what you think. We're going to delve into this further at 637 and the Premier's pledge to use a referendum on mega projects for Manitoba Hydro. In Ohio has converted a pool, a swimming pool, into an apartment. (laughs) You can see the picture on our Instagram. We'll chat about it in our next segment. More on Starlight and Portage Place. After Global News at 7 o'clock and at 7.37, Breakfast with the Bombers. We'll speak with long snapper Mike Benson, who just signed with the club last month. But in the meantime, we start this half hour with a question. Do you think 
you deserve a say in multi-billion dollar projects under consideration by Manitoba Hydro. Well, the Premier does, and Premier Brian Pallister is promising to give Manitobans a vote on major decisions when it comes to the publicly owned utility, but he's not exactly saying how that would work. So as we've been sharing with you over the past few days, a long-awaited report into cost overruns involving those two key projects with Manitoba Hydro was finally released on Friday. And that review looked into, of course, Bipole 3 and the kiosk generation, generating station. And it basically found that there was a lack of government oversight, which then led to cost overruns and a huge increase in debt. The projects alone, as a reminder, were $3.7 billion over the initial budget. We believe that the fundamental issue... Uh, Manitobans will have to ask themselves in terms of the management of Manitoba Hydro is who do they trust? Who tripled the debt of Manitoba Hydro by gambling in international markets and didn't ask Manitobans for permission first? Who ignored Manitoba priorities and pursued their own priorities at the expense of Manitobans without asking Manitobans. The NDP were in power at the time, and so that's where the Premier is laying the blame. In the 15 years it took to build the dam and bipole, Hydro's debt tripled to $23 billion. So now the Premier is promising a change. We are announcing that we are going to take steps to strengthen the referendum requirements to ensure that Manitobans have their fair say and to ensure that Manitobans are listened to and, and also to ensure that Manitobans are respected. Always. So here's what we know. The Referendum Act, which I think was 2019, there was changes made to it in terms of that whole fallout from the PST hike from the previous government. And so it basically calls for the fact that there has to be a referendum. This is already on the books. There has to be a referendum in Manitoba if we have any major tax increases proposed or if we're looking to privatize utilities like hydro or MPI. It says on the books, you got to go to the public for a vote. And so... You know, as part of this report that came out on Hydro, there was talk about Centra Gas, for example. So if they look at selling off even parts of Manitoba Hydro, that should go to a referendum. And I have to say, I don't disagree with that because the whole privatization has been the big, scary boogeyman in the closet when it comes to the NDP versus the Conservatives. And it's been this whole thing. This is where the Conservatives are taking us. And they're saying, no, we'd still go to the public for a vote. So I don't mind that. Those are big utilities. Those are big decisions. I'd like to have a say in whether some of those go, parts of those go private. But when it comes to mega project, Greg, and the approval of these mega projects, the premier is also saying that there would be a, a maybe a referendum on that. But he didn't give any more details as to how that was would look. And so we're asking this morning, you know, when you have a company, an arm length company like Hydro, and they already have presidents, CEOs, vice presidents, a chairperson, a board paid hundreds of thousands of dollars in total, tune of millions of dollars in total, Greg, where where does the power lie? Do we need to go to the public to have a say in some of those projects? Two things come to mind for me. First of all, it's you cannot refute the fact that things went off the rails with regards to Bipole 3. It was politicized which route that mm-hmm. uh, that transmission line should take. It was the Gary Dewar government that said, no, we don't want it going up the east side of Lake uh, Winnipeg for a variety of different reasons, and, including it being uh, that part of Manitoba being declared a UNESCO World Heritage Site, all sorts of reasons that that needs to be looked into and the ability to make those deci- decisions changed. And that's, to me, without question. The other question that needs to be asked, what is the ultimate goal 
for Manitoba Hydro. It's clear that the NDP, Gary Dewar, also said at once upon a time that hydro would be Manitoba's oil. And so is that the card they were playing? Was it a play to make Manitoba this mega exporter of of electricity in order to grow the economy long term and to to bring to Manitoba some of the benefits oil has brought to to Alberta. And I think that was the intention, but was it a gigantic misstep? In retrospect, it looks like it may have been. So the question for me is, what is the goal of Manitoba Hydro, the overall vision? Let's present a plan. Is it to exclusively exist for the cheapest possible electricity for Manitobans. And if that's what we're going to do, here's how we're going to do it. And the reason that the Premier refuses to come on this show and hasn't been on this show for over three years now is the fact that I asked him the question, is Manitoba Hydro, in his mind, an asset or a liability? And I still believe that answer remains unanswered from the Premier to this day. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we have two tickets up for grabs for the Zoo Lights Festival at Assiniboine Park. It's on until March 28th, and what we need you to do is text us at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win. And we'll tell you what that question is in a moment. Yesterday, Greg found a tweet from somebody called Akila Hughes, at Akila, obviously, and uh, she writes, or just across the river in Cincinnati, I could get an apartment where the living room is a carpeted pool for $1,800. And indeed, when she says pool, like this isn't some sort of a metaphor. It's an old swimming pool <laughs> that has been converted into an apartment, although like bare bones, there's still the old railing from the pool, still the old tile on the wall. It's the old, like the pool floor is there. It even says, I'm looking at the shallow the word shallow that indicated where the shallow end was. Uh, But the floor of the pool is carpeted and someone has carved out a little kitchen uh, behind the pool. It's a massive living space. Uh, So it would be kind of neat to live there. I think so. So that got us thinking about where would we live if we could live anywhere we wanted. So that's what you need to text us. Where would you live and why? And Greg, I want to start with you because you've got a pretty cool suggestion. Oh, I want to live in the Kiosk power station. No, I'm just <laughs> Get joking. out of here. <laughs> uh, the sound would be soothing of rushing water. It'd be like a constant noise machine. That's right. It would be very, it would be very neat. No, uh, it's bizarre that you would want to go back to school quite uh, legitimately and forevermore, but... Uh, Even when I was a student in junior high, I always marveled at the construction, at the architecture of my elementary and junior high school in the West End, Isaac Brock. It was built in the early 1900s. It's got incredible Tyndall Stone foundation, incredible bricks, and the windows, oh, the gigantic windows, 14 or, or higher foot ceilings. Each classroom would make an incredible bachelor suite. And so uh, that's my answer. Oh, and you have a gymnasium right in the middle of the building. How wicked is that? That's great. I love that suggestion. That's a lot of fun because, yeah, I used to love my old elementary school, uh, Cole Central, at least the old part of it before they tore it down, unfortunately, because it was old and dilapidated. Uh, Jeff Forte, what about you? That's, I used to think the same thing as Greg, like my old junior high, John Pritchard, except the basement, yes. the basement is creepy as hell though. There's no <laughs> way I'm, I'm living there because it's just, when you go down there, it is scary. 
Uh, but no, for me, I think just somewhere just outside the city. And honestly, I would love to live in one of those tiny houses. Uh, they're so nice. Like some of them are just, you can make them exactly the way you want it. Some of them are so nice. I would not mind living just outside the city where I have my own property, where I have, where, where it's quiet, where you can listen to nature and have your own little, your little tiny house, which is, uh, to me, it feels so comfy and cozy. That's uh, something I'd like to do. Hmm. Right on, answer, man. Jeff. Right on. Very serene. Jeff Braun, what about you? Well, you suggested in your email, like, uh, resurrecting the River Rouge boat and living on that. And I, living on, like, a, a, a river boat, I think, I think that's actually what I would pick because every time I see a houseboat or a floating house, like in Sleepless in Seattle or something in a movie, I always think, boy, that would be cool to live like that. Now, of course, in Manitoba, it makes no sense because the river freezes every winter and that would just wreck your house on a yearly basis i gather but uh that's if i could do anything it would be like that but somewhere tropical perhaps what you could do is you could live in the riverboat for the summer and then pull your boat off the water in the winter and live in like some little lodge that you just build on this quiet part of the river somewhere oh that could be that's a good idea all right McNabb. I'm surprised Greg didn't say the non-such. I thought that was his whole <laughs> no, nookie no. on the non-such pitch. But, um, that's about, that's about uh, 25 minutes. <laughs> wow. wow. Really going out there. I feel like that's times five. But okay, we'll move on. Um, I'm going to say for me, I think I'd pick like a grain elevator of some sort. I don't know if it'd be the English grain elevators that are sort of a national. Mm. I think they're a national historic site, at I least think you're provincially. Right. Uh, I, but I it would have to retrofit it. It had to be a grain elevator where you could put a lot more windows in it. And then you could have cool spiral staircases. The smell in those could be really great just with the old dust and whatnot. And I think that'd be kind of neat. Like it would just that or an, a library, any library. I love libraries. Libraries would be cool. Like Elizabeth. it doesn't matter. The I would like to have one of those slides, Brett. You know, like where you climb the ladder uh-huh. and then you slide across to access oh, your yes. books. Ladder. Yeah. 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 I always kind of want to live in a tower. I don't know. Where you get a very high tower, you just get a great view. I don't know. That'd be nice too. Like any high rise or specifically in, in a tower of no, some sort? No, just some kind of a tower. I don't know. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll build a tower onto, onto my house. There we go. <laughs> One of our listeners is saying the revolving restaurant. That's not bad. At the top of oh. Fort Gary Place, the view would always be changing. So that's about as close as we get to a tower here in Winnipeg. And Chris Rutkowski, UFO, renowned ufologist, says he wants to live, get this, in the Flying Saucer condo along the Disraeli Freeway. <laughs> Very fitting. He wants the whole top floor there. Audrey is suggesting that uh, she would live in the new Butterfly Conservatory if they ever finish it. How relaxing would that be? Amazing. I don't like that. Yeah, I'd be I don't out. find that relaxing. Get off of me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, butterflies are funny too, right? Because if it was moths, I'd be spooked out the entire time. Moths just freak me out. But butterflies, I just find them so relaxing. I think it's because moths are faster. Less erratic in their movements? Yeah, butterflies just seem to float around, just these happy little butterflies. But yeah, you're right, Loren. It would be kind of cool. It would be one of those things where if you had a switch, like you could sit down and then turn on the butterflies. (laughs) (laughs) And then turn them off. Um, For me, I would just honestly, I'm trying to think of a specific location, but I just sort of keep going back to uh, if I could just like live in a little cabin in the woods somewhere, just somewhere quiet. 
maybe West Hawk Lake. I like this sort of mm. terrain in there. Then they, specific, if I actually, you know what? There is a cabin on West Hawk Lake. I can't remember exactly where it is, but I remember going out on a canoe and there's a point where you go around a corner and there's this big cliff. And at the top of this cliff, I don't know how tall it is, 100 feet. Uh, there's this monstrous cabin and it's got stairs that lead down the entire side of the cliff down to this dock. It's not a boat house, but it's like a boat enclosure. It the, the This property must it feels like it costs has more than the GDP of many small countries, uh, so that would be a pretty cool place to hole up. Well, as I understand it, Jack O'Blick, the founder of CJOB, had a cottage on West Hawk Lake once upon a time, and it's pretty huge. Oh well, from maybe, uh, what I've been told, maybe that was it. So here's what we need from from you: text us at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. If you could live anywhere you wanted in Manitoba, anywhere, it doesn't matter how silly a suggestion it is, we need you to tell us where and we need you to tell us why at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win two tickets to the Zoo Lights Festival at Assiniboine Park, which is on until March 28th. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Tom is after my heart. He's a man after my own heart on where would he live. He says, a cabin on Grand Pines Golf Course with a membership. Yep, there it is. That's a great spot to live. Corinne's on the same track. I'd live on a golf course, take my golf court out of the garage and tee off. The why would be wonderful retirement. And then this one's cool, too. We had somebody saying the old brick waterhouse on Waterfront Drive, north of the Forks, or tight on the river, right on the river. Maybe it was a pump house, now a restaurant. What is that, Greg? Is that Chibo? That's correct. The old. It's basically where they take the measurement when you hear... You know, six feet at James, that's the James Street pumping station. That's where they measure the river. It's got that balcony that goes. Oh, it would be an incredible place to live. Superb choice. Karen had a neat one as well. If we have time to to read it, I want to make sure we get it on the air. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. (laughs) The Scott and James Lauren Bathgate building at 149 Pioneer Avenue. It's the Nutty Club building. What better way to come home every night than to see the candy man at your front door? (laughs) It could process all my favorite treats, and I would have one of the best views in Winnipeg, walkable to lots of great venues, and with many rooms, my friends and family would have a place to stay downtown. As a kid, I always thought that building was magical. Shoot, why didn't I just say any? Chip factory. That should have been. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Loran, use your head. Keep those texts coming. 204-780-6868. Where would you live if you could live anywhere you wanted in Manitoba and why for your chance to win two tickets to Zoo Lights at Assiniboine Park Zoo? But we continue the conversation now on Starlight. As the wait continues for the would-be developers of Portage Place after a deadline for federal funding has come and gone without any commitment from Ottawa. Starlight Investments has proposed a $400 million redevelopment of Portage Place Mall but to help finance that redevelopment it had asked each level of government for $20 million. Both the province and Winnipeg said yes. Ottawa had until 5 p.m. yesterday to commit. That deadline came and went with no news. Here's Starlight CEO Glenn Hirsch on what that means. I can't go back to our shareholders. I can't take the executive team and go look at our shareholders and say, we need to extend this transaction. So yes, we have to request our deposit back and we have to look for other highest best use of our capital. 
So does that mean the deal is dead or just delayed? Kate Fenske is the CEO of the Downtown Biz and joins us now. Good morning, Kate. Good morning. Well, I appreciate the early start. The simple question is, do we know the answer? Where does this sit at the federal level? Was there any communication received at all as you know it yesterday? Well, first, can I enter the contest and say I'd like to live at one of the new towers at Portage and Pl- Portage Place? Yes, um, you absolutely <laughs> make it happen. It ties in well. If that, if that, if you could be the first resident and that makes it happen, that might be the push people need, Kate. So I, I appreciate that, but but we don't know if they're if it's going to be built or not based on how things are going. So again, what do we know from what the federal government is or isn't saying here? Yeah, at this stage, you're right. We don't know, we, um, uh, and, and it's really. Um, put, I think, downtown in a tough spot. It has been uh, a difficult year, we all know, and it doesn't seem to be getting any easier. Um, Portage Place is really one of the the critical footprints along with the Bay Building in our downtown. They're right next to each other. And here we have an opportunity to leverage $400 million in private investment to, to make something happen that provides value for the public. It includes public washrooms and a community space. It includes 500 housing units. And we know our downtown population is going to grow by 2,000 in the next two years. And it's really looking at the project as how does it fit into downtown and, and opening up streets again. This is the kind of investment that we want to see. And I do remain hopeful that the federal government will still see that and want to leverage that private investment that does provide public value. And, and if they do, this is the right project to do that. Kate, uh, just a couple of quick questions here. Has it ever been on the table on the marketplace for, say, you know, basically a for sale sign. I know it's been on the mall for years and years. But what about with regard to the land and the parking structure? Has that ever gone out to tender or request for proposals with the ability to capture those revenues from the parkade and to own the actual land? Because as I understand it, previous to this, it was only the mall that was on the market. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I don't know all of the history over the last few decades of it, but this is one of the most complicated deals because of the different shareholders uh, and different levels of government and the split between the building and, and the land itself. So this, when we're looking at it, you know, the city has supported it, the province has supported it. it. We're just waiting for that final key piece. And we know that the federal government is looking to, you know, um, l- look for projects that, that supports housing. This, comp- this project does include um, a, a large piece of affordable housing, which is really critical for our city right now. Um, and so I do believe that it checks a lot of the government's boxes. So I'm still hopeful that it's just a few things maybe that need to be figured out to make this happen. The reason I ask is it would it be unreasonable now then to put out on the marketplace land, parking lot, redevelopment opportunity, complete with $40 million worth of government subsidy on the table. If one group is interested in approaching this and coming forward, that, certainly that means it has to be a, an attractive enough project that others would be interested in coming forward with those same conditions available to them. Sure, but I don't think we have a lineup of investors um, looking to do this type of project. You know, if, if we do lose uh, Starlight, 
um, I, I wouldn't anticipate that we would have a bunch of people knocking on the door saying, I want in on this, um, because it has been on the table for so long. And this was finally, um, you know, a proposal that made sense for our community downtown uh, and made sense in terms of what, what different levels of government are looking for and really leveraging that $400 million investment for um, not only the residential components, but also office and retail, but that community space. That's really critical. So what's next here? Do we know? Cross my fingers. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, I think the good news is at this stage, um, and I do remain hopeful, is that no one has said on either side, no. So the federal government, as, as to the best of my knowledge, has not said no to this project yet. So, so that leads me to believe that there is still some hope that hopefully the two sides are still talking, um, that even though that the deadline for the extension, and there have been many extensions trying to make this deal work, um, you know, over the last uh, six to nine months, um, but that the, the extension is over, but but I'm still hoping that a deal can be made, but it's going to have to be very soon here, Kate, or I just, do fear Starlight will pull out. Just seconds here. Do you know if there's a sticking point that you're aware of that's holding this back? Not that I'm aware of, no. Kate Fenske, CEO of Downtown Winnipeg Biz, joining us live on 680-CJOB. Kate, thanks once again for the visit. Thank you so much. Have a great morning. The possible redevelopment of Portage Place, Greg, and you're fired up. Well, you know, this is the thing. Uh, we we do these a lot of these things on emotion because, Loren, you pointed out that the visuals, I think, are pretty spectacular for this proposed project. When we go to buy a car, we, we, we do that emotionally sometimes and that whole idea of taking the deal off the table, you got to get it today. It's the last one we've got. FOMO, fear of missing out. Uh, it, it, it's a real thing, and it, the fear of loss is something that that really good sales guys are capable of instilling in their customers. If you don't do this today, it is not going to happen. And my point I was trying to get around to with Kate Fenske was the, this notion that the parkade and the land have never been on the market before. This is something that Starlight came to the city with to say, hey, We'll redevelop this mall, but here are the circumstances under which we'll do that. We want the land and we also want the parkade. And then 90 days later, they said, oh, and $60 million too. And I think there's an opportunity to package that whole thing along with the bay, which is available now for redevelopment, and put it out there and see if anybody's prepared to come on board. Just be, you know, if this one developer is the only developer that sees the vision here, uh, maybe it's not the best idea in the first place. But you mentioned that fear, Greg, and the fear, and I, it's very real. Not only are we in this pandemic with, we just heard recently, 40 businesses uh, lost permanently to the downtown, and we know that's happening in other pockets of Winnipeg as well. You've got the Bay, you've got Portage Place. I fear that if we don't move quickly, not necessarily with this developer, but quickly, period, man, boarded up windows and just that state of the downtown only gets worse instead of better. So yes, you're right. Is there other opportunity? Maybe. What I'm still stuck on right now is why so much silence from Ottawa. No returned emails from Vandal's office. No returned emails from Jim Carr's office. I don't know. Is there an email I can get to, Brett, that just says questions to the Prime Minister? Please answer. <laughs> 20 million, yes or no. And then we'll move on. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, Reese with a great suggestion at 204-780-6868. And where would you live in Manitoba if you could live anywhere you wanted? 
Where would it be and why? Because we have two tickets for the Zoo Lights Festival at Assiniboine Park up for grabs. And Reese says, an old church. My dad and I self-renovated an old church in Steinbeck. It turned out amazing. All the original stained glass windows. It was a loft style. It turned out amazing. But I wouldn't want to live in an apartment. We got six apartments out of that church. I would like to change one into an entire house all on its own. It would be so cool. Reese, that's a great idea. Keep those ideas coming at 204-780-6868. We'll give away those tickets just after 9.15. Sounds of the game coming up at 7.55. The keys to the game, because Jets are back in action tonight. Keys to the game with Cam Poitras coming up just after 8.10. And in our next segment, we're going to head west, where some are angry in Brandon, in the Prairie Mountain Health region, that they're still on level red. So we'll tell you just exactly what is happening there. But hey, it's Tuesday just after 7.30. Forte, what does that mean? Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca, a better place for you. And when you play a kid's game for a living, it's really difficult for that to get all that much better. Of course, winning a championship takes that dream to the next level. And playing in your hometown on the team you grew up cheering for, I would say, is definitely the icing on the career cake. Proverbial icing, at least. And, of course, our next guest has started games for three other CFL teams and been part of two other organizations since 2012. But if things go as planned, the St. Paul's High School Winnipeg Rifles and Acadia University alumnus will be starting long snapper the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Greg, and his family has season tickets where he was growing up. That's right. Mike Benson joins us now on Breakfast with the Bombers. Good morning, Mike. Hey, howdy, guys. How you guys doing? Doing really well. Thanks for making some time for us. We greatly appreciate it. Now, uh, easy to say football is just one part of your life. We understand you own and operate your own gym in town and are also active in the community. So uh, it's great to have you join us. We'll talk about that in a minute. But in, on the football front, long snapper, that's a genuine specialty skill in the world of sport. Talk about throwing away any modesty, how critical your job is to the success of a team. Um, you know what? Um, humbly speaking, I'd say, you know, it is very important. You're a, uh, in the CFL, you're a third down quarterback, right? The only thing is you just kind of retrovert it, and now you're throwing, uh, throwing upside down. Um, you know, it's pivotal. Everyone knows in, uh, in the Canadian game that uh, field position is going gonna, is gonna to win games for you. And uh, if you can't get the field position, um, it's going to be a really difficult matchup. But uh, luckily, I'm there to help deliver the ball smoothly. And then, uh, and then the punter out and kicks bombs down the field, and we go down and make some tackles. So um, just like field goals as well, if the, if the snap isn't there, you know, it could be the difference of winning a game or you know, losing by a point. Right. So, uh, it's important to be pretty accurate. 99.999% of the time. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So St. Paul's high school is such an outstanding football program. Mike, how did uh, being a student at that school and playing on that team set the course for your adult life? Um, yeah, I mean, St. Paul's has been, uh, you know, a powerhouse uh, high school football team for, you know, the better half of, I'd say, two decades. Um, Coach Stacey Daynard's done an amazing job um, bringing that team and having an amazing grassroots program. Um, but I'd say, you know, it was, uh, it was an absolute privilege being able to go to that school and, um, you know, learn all the values just outside of academics um, that, they, that they teach in you. 
and it helps it helps prepare you for life and you know i'm really blessed to be fortunate enough to take that to a post-secondary school and use everything i learned to help you know use my um, athletic abilities to help you know propel academics and uh, you know st paul's prepped me for that um, whether it was for essay writing or studying or you know just um just being a good person out in the community being able to communicate with others and uh and just grow and grow as a person. I'm very thankful for that experience. And um, it's definitely helped me get where I am today, no doubt. Can we ask about, uh, you mentioned just being out in the community. I mean, you're looking to play for your hometown team. Uh, you're a business owner and, and you spend time volunteering with the Bear Clan. Is that right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, the night before uh, the night before I signed with Winnipeg, I, uh, I went out with the, uh, with the Bear Clan for the first time ever. And, and got to join in that amazing experience and meet all the great people that run that organization. Um, it, you know, it was about minus 45, which is, you know, a, a nice, beautiful Winnipeg night. But, uh, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a great experience being able to get out in the community and, you know, help, you know, give out care packages, spread some warmth, you know, keep the streets safe, all that kind of stuff. It was a great experience, yeah. Would you want to do that but more if you could, if that worked in with your schedule? Uh, a hundred percent. I recommend if anybody has the free time, um, you know, to make to make a little bit of time to go out and try it at least one time. Um, it really gives you a new perspective and appreciation for for life, and you know, gives you a chance to get out in the community and help your city out. And if you have the time, I highly recommend it. It's an amazing organization, and uh, you'll have a great time for sure. And we also understand you are just weeks away from welcoming a baby into your family. How excited are you for that? And do you have the nursery painted yet? Uh, <laughs> I am. We're really excited. We're about seven or eight weeks away from uh, from welcoming our first uh, our first baby boy, and uh, it's the timing is perfect. Um, being able to to be able to sign with Winnipeg and stay in the city um, is a, is. You know, it's definitely making my fiance very stress-free, um, <laughs> and the nursery's pretty much good to go. I mean, it's been a very, very, very long pandemic winter, so I've had a lot of time to prep everything. Um, we pretty much we just renovated our entire place, so everything is good to go. This place, this baby room, I'm very proud of it. It's kind of like my my golden egg right now. I'm like trying to tell, show pictures to everybody and. You know, look what I did. I painted and did the baseboards and flooring and all that kind of stuff. And I'm excited to uh, to have a little dude to hang out with in uh, my new favorite room. Oh, that's great news. Congratulations. Yeah. That's oh, fabulous. Hey, yeah. Mike Benson is our guest. He's a long snapper for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, yet to don the blue and gold. But we touched on it at the beginning. Your family been a longtime supporter of the Blue Bombers season tickets when you were a kid. Is Is this a little bit surreal, the fact that you're coming home to play? Um, it is, it's still, it's still tough to, tough to believe, right? I'm, I'm really excited and it's on paper and it's, you know, your name's on the roster, but you know, I don't think it's really going to hit until, you know, that first day of training camp or that first time you run out of the tunnel and you're actually running out of the right end. Um, (laughs) uh, we're really excited. I know my mom, my mom shed, shed a tear or two, just it was like, you know, joy of having her, her son finally stay home for the first time in 10 years. Um, but yeah, I can't wait, you know, I can't wait to finally be able to play consecutively in front of family and friends and, and, you know, finally be able to play for the city and team that you, that I grew up, you know, idolizing and watching. 
Um, you remember things like in the old Canadian Stadium where it's, you know, a late October, early November game, and it's like minus 10, and you're banging on these frigid cold metal seats. And, uh, and now I get to experience that on the field, and I can't wait. I'm just looking at your Instagram, Mike. You've got a couple of beautiful dogs. Are these huskies? <laughs> They they are. I've got uh, I've got one half Malamute, half Siberian Husky, and then we just got a little puppy last year. She just turned a year, and she's a full Siberian, and she is the Tasmanian Devil, but a very cute Tasmanian Devil. Well, that's the thing with Huskies, <laughs> right? I mean, they are they're wonderful, yeah. but they're a handful. They require almost constant exercise. Yeah. Uh, they're like a they're very smart, evil, sadistic toddlers. Um, <laughs> then you're well prepared for fatherhood. No offense to any toddler out there, but you know, that's a handful too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I can if I can handle those two, I think a baby will be no problem. <laughs> we also hey, should I, ask you, oh, go ahead, Loren, go ahead. I was going to say, I just I was just going to make a joke. I just got a puppy. You might have heard him barking in the background and it sounds like you know how to do deal with dogs and you do some renovations. So I've already decided to hire you in case you want to start a side business while we wait for the season to start. Hey, I've got a garage that I, needs I, finishing. I'm a, I'm, so. a man of, I'm a man of many <laughs> obscure talents. If you need someone to throw a ball between your legs or if you need someone to reno a bathroom or or even t- or even take you on if you need a strength coach, I can do <laughs> a total wow. utility, man. Yeah. Well, Greg mentioned it off the top as well, the, the gym uh, aspect of your life. Uh, is it pro player U-sport performance? It is. It is. So I work, you know, primarily with athletes and um, I do a little bit of like knee rehab as well. And then and then general fitness, um, general fitness, general, you know, uh, population, all that kind of stuff. But my love is my love is obviously working with athletes and, um, you know, from all the hard work and everything that I've put in to to be able to have a nine going into my nine year in the, in the professional football and, and, you know, being able to train the body to do things that you never thought it could do. Um, I just want to give people the same opportunity that I had and, uh, and, you know, help make their dreams come true and, you know, make them move well, you know, in life. You're welcome here anytime, Mike. Thanks for this. We really appreciate congratulations on the upcoming baby. And we'll keep our fingers crossed that we get to see you on the field at IG field sooner than later. Mike Benson with us on breakfast with the bombers. Have a great day, Mike. Yeah. You too, guys. Have a good morning. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, keys to the game coming up in a couple of minutes' time with Cam Poitras. Two things here, one from the province, but first something out of Ottawa. The Canadian economy posted its worst showing on record in 2020 as the COVID-19 pandemic swept across the country, shutting down businesses and putting millions out of work. Statistics Canada says real gross domestic product shrank 5.4% in 2020, the steepest annual decline since comparable data was first recorded in 1961. The drop for the year was due to the shutdown of large swaths of the economy in March and April during that first wave of the pandemic that just crushed the economy. Since then, economic activity has slowly and steadily grown. So that's out of Ottawa. And we just got the notice from the province as well that indeed Premier Brian Pallister and Dr. Brent Rusin will be speaking today at 11 o'clock regarding the COVID-19 public health orders. And uh, Loren, yesterday the Premier intimated that uh, we might 
that we were likely going to get an update today on what those loosened restrictions could look like. Yeah, and there's a couple of things to consider. People will remember that when they first brought this up last week that they were looking at, again, easing these restrictions, that they would come in two phases, right? And so some of the changes will come into place March 5th, that's Friday. The rest will come into place March 26th. But as I understand it, that still keeps us in this level red zone. And so, you know, Greg, they were talking about things about the gathering sizes. Well, that's not really changing. You're either going to stick with two people designated to your household or you pick one household where you go back and forth. That's supposed to be the decision for Manitobans to to make. Whether that's part of the public health order Friday, it's not clear. There might be an in- increase of capacity limits at both restaurants and retail to 50%. Again, that could come this Friday. That could come later this month. It might not come at all. And so who knows? I, I think the last time they actually went a little further than they had indicated they would when they eased the public health restrictions a few weeks ago. And so as we always say, gosh, I hate this phrase, remains to be seen. <laughs> I'm watching them. There, there it is. <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> Why do you turn it off? You just only had two minutes on. to turn it on. I know. I know. I just, I don't want you guys to hear me breathing heavy and, and, and just, uh, anyway. <laughs> and huffing and, he's huffing and puffing to blow your house down. You know, Bruce uh, makes a, a great uh, point with regards to Westman and, and their consternation over the restrictions that remain in place there. I'll read that for you later. But just this whole idea of changes right now. You know, I have so many friends in, in business. And the, the idea that these that these restrictions remain in place is frustrating for so many of us, but the numbers are going exactly where they want them, where we want them to right now. And I just, I just, part of me wonders if, if the right answer is to change anything. We have to, well, we got to move on eventually, right? Do we, do I we, understand so, that. So do we wait until we have absolutely no cases? Do we sit at home and like like prisoners until we have well, zero think, cases? I don't think we're sitting at home like prisoners right now. I think that we've got the freedom to do an awful lot of things. But until we get those, those numbers of people in hospital down to a, a lot closer than zero, maybe not absolute zero, I just, I'm, I'm uneasy when something is going exactly as you had planned it and hoped that it would. As Hannibal said on the A-Team, I love it when a plan comes together. It feels like the plan is coming together. And I'm just wondering out loud if now is the time to mess with that plan that feels as though it's working very, very well. Working in our favor, though, right now uh, is the fact that it's warming up outside. And so when when I think about that, I think about easing some of those restrictions, maybe just for the outside gatherings or outside activities, because that's where all of us went in January when we were under tighter restrictions. And that made things easier, right? Right at the very least, you could meet up with a friend in a park or however you did it and have a chat there or go for walks. There's all sorts of things that we could do outside. When it got cold again, it, that's when it became very real to me, the impact some of these restrictions were having on just, you know, the desire for the kids to play or or just socialize and so i i don't know i think we i think we have to move forward move who is it in our audience that always say moving forward that we need to kill that expression move forward (laughs) cautiously and i think that's what they're going to be doing i don't know i i the problem becomes is what's the number and what's your benchmark right brett because it changes what we saw in the spring is not what we saw in the fall it's not what we're seeing now and so that's going to keep shifting and the hospitalization numbers are dropping and it seems to be going at sort of a really fairly decent rate. It's not bouncing back and forth. And so I I don't know. I feel good about, again, some, some changes. Heather 
has all kinds of ideas throughout Manitoba on cool places to live. That's what we we're asking you this morning at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win two tickets for Zoo Lights at Assiniboine Park. And we need you to tell us where would you live if you could live anywhere you wanted in Manitoba. It doesn't matter how silly a suggestion. Where would you live and why? And Heather says uh, the old post office in Stonewall designed by a student of famous architecture, Franklin Lloyd Wright, or the White House on Portage near Maine because it is so elegant and it has statues and outdoor space. That place recently went up for sale, I think. Didn't it? Yes, you're right. It's got an incredible suite above it, right? Two floors, an outdoor patio, two or three million bucks. Yeah. quite opulent. I didn't realize. I've I've driven by that building a thousand times, two thousand times. I didn't know that that was a home. So, yeah. I had no idea either. And uh, also, Heather said the Manitoba Clinic or the Winnipeg Clinic downtown reminds her of the Jetsons with the spaced age <laughs> looking architecture. And I think there's some actually is, is stainless steel on the outside. Yes, on the outside, yep. Yeah, so uh, some great suggestions from Heather. And I'll just quickly read this other suggestion she has from Churchill. Um, She says, the original commercial greenhouse slash home, the view through the picture windows from the third floor living room is the Hudson Bay to the east and the Churchill River to the west, sunrises, sunsets, ships, wildlife including polar bears, northern fauna, and much more. Diane, who was was her cousin, who I guess helped build it, Hmm. uh, says (laughs) she called it her Valium room, <laughs> I say sitting in there was better than Valium. So, Heather, thanks for all of the suggestions. You know your Manitoba stuff. So, keep those suggestions coming for your chance to win just after 9 15. And a reminder that once again today at 11 o'clock, we are going to hear from Premier Brian Pallister and Dr. Brent Rusin with the latest on the COVID 19 restrictions. But uh, when it comes to what we're about to talk about now, Mr. Fortier, do you have some music that uh, you're supposed to play? Oh, I just played it, but let's play it again. That was it again? (laughs) Okay, now I get it. I was trying to make the connection. (laughs) I don't. I'll have to explain this to you. Who can it be now? Oh. (laughs) Who can it be now? Here's a great place to live. Fort White Alive. Did you know that the great gray owl is the provincial... I didn't know this. The provincial bird of Manitoba, the great gray owl. It's the largest owl in North America. I only know this for sure because my mother-in-law texted me the other day when she was working on a crossword puzzle of some sort and the clue was Manitoba's provincial bird. I thought it was the snowy owl, but great gray owl... It is, and it seems like there are lots of people snapping many pictures, maybe more than usual. I'm just maybe perhaps noticing them more on social media over the last several weeks. And Loren, the other night on my social media, I came across a post about a dog who was at the vet with injuries sustained in what was said to be an owl attack. Now, this picture was from last spring, but it did prompt a conversation about how many owls are out and about. Yeah, and what they can get up to. And so, of course, as always, when there's something going on in the animal kingdom in our province, we reach out to Barrett Miller, who's the Ecotourism, Custom, and Corporate Programs Coordinator at Fort White Alive, as you mentioned, Brett. So good morning, Barrett. Good morning. So more owls, more sightings, more people out and about. Who do we uh, ask this question to? I just had to get that in one last time. No, is there well, more owls? I, uh, I, I will do my best, uh, and I'm glad that you give a hoot about this story. Um <laughs> I think that it might be a combination of all 
all of those factors. Um, we're still in a we're, us humans are still in a place where there's not as much going on in our world. So we're outside a lot more than in a normal winter. So we're seeing what's around our neighborhoods. Uh, Winnipeg has some great owl habitat. Um, the urban owl population seems to be pretty good year to year to year. I think that we're maybe just seeing them more. We definitely do have owls in the city of all sorts. And um, it is the time of year. There's two sort of things going on. As we get into that late winter, if the food supply isn't good in a part of the province or right across sort of the north, owls will tend to move to where there is food. We call it an eruption migration. So we might be seeing that. And for the great horned owl, uh, one of the bigger ones that lives here in the city, that's Saskatchewan's provincial bird, but very common here in Winnipeg. This is their nesting season. So they're vocal and they're visible at dawn and dusk, which could lead to more sightings. Sorry, did you say the great gray owl is Saskatchewan's provincial bird? Oh, no, no. Sorry, Brett. The great gray owl, that's very much our own. They're a big bird with a big rounded head. They live in the boreal parts of Manitoba. The great horned owl. Oh, the great horned owl. Pardon me. Yeah. Okay. No, all good. Uh, and it's easy to confuse the two. Um, when you see them, the one has the great horns and the other one doesn't. Uh, if you see a big owl and you don't see two little tufts of feathers, that's the great gray. When you see those two tufts, that's the great horned. Um, great horned owls live all through the Americas. They do very, very well in and alongside people. And that may... I actually remember that um, incident with the dog from the springtime. I suspect that was actually a great horned owl. They're a little bit more territorial than the great gray. So I'm curious, you know, when it comes to what what we want to watch for when we're, when we're going out to find these things, maybe it might be out on a walk or what have you. Are there things to be careful of? We mentioned off the top that there was pictures from last spring of animals being attacked by owls. When do we know that they're a threat to maybe not us, but maybe our smaller pets, Barrett? Well, when you let a small pet out at night, you should always do a scan around what's on the ground and what's in the trees or shrubs around where you're letting it out. Just always. Um, that's for the animal's protection. And that's not just from owls, but from oh, just about anything that may want to uh, may want to hurt the animal, or the animal may want to try play with. I'm thinking I usually do a skunk check uh, before I let my dog. She's a little bit too big to be carried off by an owl, but I still check my yard and check the trees around my yard just to make sure that there's no wildlife there may be an interaction with. Uh, in terms of our own safety around owls, if you see an owl, give it space. Um, though they're very, very, very well adapted at hunting, uh, we're too big for them to hunt just straight up, but they can feel scared of us or a little bit territorial. So when you see one, stop and enjoy it. Don't try to get too close. Yeah, because I remember when, uh, there was a time where I was driving to work a couple of years ago. So I was coming off Academy, hang a right to go onto the St. James Bridge. And as I was just turning onto the ramp, something flew right past my windshield 
it, it looked like a, a stealth bomber. Like I had no idea what it was. I'd never seen anything that big, that close to my car, at least in terms of a bird. And eventually, once I sort of took a look at the shape, it took a few seconds to register. And I th- and then I thought, I think that was an owl. Like I've never, I guess the point is I had never seen an owl. I've heard them in the city, but I've never seen one. So when you talk about checking the trees and checking your surroundings for owls, <laughs> like they're pretty stealthy. They're, they're good at hiding. So if you let your dog out at night, how are you supposed to spot them? Okay, uh, they are pretty good at hiding. Um, if one is close enough to be a real threat to an animal, you'll see it. Uh, look for a big football shape standing on end in the trees. Certainly also listen for them. Um, this time of year, again, it is mating and nesting season for the great horns. They will hoot to one another at dawn and dusk. If you hear a hooting owl nearby your house or you see that football shape up in the tree, as you're looking, if that football sort of moves its head bobbing, it's trying to see and hear you as well. Um, and it doesn't actually surprise me that you saw that owl where you did, Brett. Um, that's, I, coming home at night from Fort White Live, uh, sort of right at the foot of that St. James Bridge, I've seen a number of owls sort of swooping in across the road. I think it's because they can get up high on the light structures, and then underneath the bridge, it's a perfect place for little rodents to run around. I think they like hunting there. Okay. So that's a good tip to go looking. If you are interested in seeing them, where else do they sort of like to to live beyond beyond that spot and maybe even Fort White itself, Barrett? Um, well, anywhere where there's a little bit of forest and a little bit of open is a good place to see a great horned owl. So our city golf courses, um, actually any of the city parks, um, I have had great success listening for owls. And, you know, because they are nocturnal, our eyes don't work so well at night when theirs work very well. It's just as satisfying to hear them as to see them. Um, the La Barrier Park area is a good work area as well. Um, we do have some resident owls at Fort White. Anytime you do see an owl or hear an owl, again, they have great senses, good hearing, excellent vision, and we're big. We're big and scary to them. If you do happen to find an owl nest or an owl, do give it space. And um, the owl etiquette is actually to not share its exact location. It's okay to talk about in general where you saw one or heard one, so others can maybe give it a shot. But uh, sending too many people straight to the foot of a tree where an owl is nesting or straight to the place where you saw one two nights in a row, that's the owl space, and you're sending a lot of uninvited guests that could scare them and even cause them to abandon a nest with eggs in it. So that's not something that we would like to do. So that's the owl etiquette. Sorry, I had to excuse myself. I had a house alarm going on, and I didn't want the police to come to my house unnecessarily. So thanks for this, Barrett. Really appreciate always your insight on these sorts of things. I just marvel at their wingspan. It's absolutely incredible how how wide it, it can be. Oh, they're huge animals. And, you know, uh, Brett's analogy of a stealth bomber, they can hear and see so well, they can dive 20 meters on glide and pick a rodent out from underneath a meter of snow. Their feathers look like they've got little feathers on the tufts of their feathers, which may, if that makes any sense, which muffles any sound they make. They truly are stealthy, stealthy birds. How wide is the wingspan? Um, on a great horned owl, slightly shy of two meters, the great gray, just a little bit bigger. We're talking centimeters, not uh, more than that. 
So about two meters, just a little bit less. Wow. So Manitoba's birds bigger than Saskatchewan. So that's what I heard. <laughs> yeah, well, Manitoba's hey, you said centimeters. Manitoba's bird is bigger. It might not necessarily weigh as much as Saskatchewan. Mm. So we got to give them something. I mean, you know, uh, yeah. Give them nothing. They have to earn it all. This means oh, Manitoba, Manitoba is leaner. Horned, they can have the great horned owl just so long as we win on Labor Day and the week after. <laughs> Atta, boy, Barrett. Barrett, we, we, I, I know that uh, our news overlord, Kim Lawson, who is a big fan of yours, if she's listening right now, she will uh, uh, have us flogged in the street if we don't ask you to do the owl call. Okay. Um, I'm going to do my best to do a great horned owl call here. Brett, hang on a second. Okay. Um, <clears throat> it's early, so. <laughs> Who cooks for you? Who cooks for you? That's, That's the pattern. <laughs> that is what I hear. That is great. Thank you, Barrett. All right. Well, thank you very much. We want to continue the conversation on the potential loosened restrictions, specifically as it pertains to restaurants. But before that, Greg, you're pointing out that there is some history of special significance today as it pertains to the Winnipeg Jets. Holy crow, is there ever. March the 2nd has marched some pretty memorable moments in Winnipeg Jets history. And this thanks to your first boss, Loren, Joe Pascucci. If you follow him on Twitter, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you don't, at Pascucci015. Should we expect Jets NHL history tonight versus the Canucks on this March 2nd? In 1980, Dave Christian, fresh off his gold medal as part of the Miracle on Ice team, scored the fastest goal any player's ever scored to start a career. Seven seconds into his first shift, as a Jet back in 1980. 1982, Willie Lindstrom went into Philadelphia and scored five goals against the Flyers. And on this day in 1993, Timu Solani, one of the most memorable moments in Winnipeg Jets history, Timu Solani scored goals 52, 53, and 54 to obliterate Mike Abbasi's single-season rookie scoring record. That ended up being, I think, it was a 7-6 loss to the Nordiques at the old Winnipeg Arena. But uh, March 2nd, pretty big day in Jets history. Okay, hoping for some more fireworks tonight. That'd be nice. That would be very nice. All right, so we're going to hear from Dr. Brent Rusin, Premier Brian Palston this morning at 11 o'clock. We are going to be carrying this live on 680 CJOB. It has to do with the restrictions which could potentially be loosened as of Friday. And Greg, you uh, had uh, something you wanted to add. Yes, you know, uh, we were going back and forth about whether or not this is a a good idea right now. And I I don't know. All I do know is things seem to be going very well right now. And uh, the fact that we've spoken to a lot of business owners, restaurants in particular, I think seem to have the focus. And Loren, from any restaurant owners or associations that we've spoken to, a move from 25% to 50% doesn't represent any sort of expanded opening for them at all because they're still trying to get around this notion that you can only dine with people from your own household. And for most restaurateurs, it is not representing an opportunity for them to grow their business as they're not able to fill the seats they have open right now with that restriction in place. 
Yeah, unless they're fairly large, right? And they've got that big space and maybe they're already known as that family dining restaurants versus the ones where you go out with friends or to the pub or on dates. You know, it might be slightly advantageous to some, but for many, for sure, what we heard was that it'll make little to no difference because of just the restrictions that are already in place when it comes to, as you said, the households. And I I have been, I've been in a few restaurants over the past uh, week or so, two actually it's the only two i've been in, in in about six months and there's no more room in the restaurant for them to add a single body so they're already at capacity sometimes with just four tables full mm. and there's no other options right you got some of those mom and pops in the diners and so they're maybe really still relying heavily on the takeout or the delivery or those kinds of things to keep them going but it's still going to be tough going even if they make this change today for start on Friday. And I just wanted to acknowledge that because one of our listeners said, easy for you to say you have a full-time job. And and I went into some personal detail that I'm not going to on the air here, Brett, but restaurant industry, not only personal passion of mine, lots of friends involved, but personally it's impacted my life more than I've let on on the air. So the last thing I want is for further restrictions to continue for restaurants on a personal level. But when you look at this, you know, it's just, uh, we, we, I think we just have to trust the, the, the science and the, and the, and the decision makers on the public health front. Well, and that's part of the problem is they're not showing us that science. I think Dr. Rusin has once he's referred to, you know, there's been evidence that uh, it's been linked to to things like restaurants and gyms, but that we haven't been shown that. And I'm not, I don't want to sound like someone who just won't believe them because they're not showing us. Of course, you know, I believe, I mean, Cynthia Carr has been telling us this whole year, we got to trust Dr. Rusin and trust our medical leaders to that they're, they're going, bringing us down the right path. But it would be nice if they could just provide some evidence that can point the finger square at something like a restaurant or something like a gym, for example. Um, it's clear that what they're doing right now is working as the case counts continue to drop. But if they were to go ahead with that 50% and keep the household only rule, then then I would almost say just leave it as it is. Like just leave that, just leave the restaurants where they are. Because if you're not going to help the restaurants, then why bother doing anything? It just, to me, it just would make them look foolish. Does anything on this list look as though it's going to, if it comes to fruition, and as you mentioned, Loren, we're going to, we expect to hear more from the premier in just a little bit here. Is there anything on that list of proposals that has you going, oh yeah, this marks a a genuine reopening or expanded opening of the economy? Because nothing really jumped out for me on that front. I guess it depends what you've been waiting to do. You know, like they they talk about some of those recreation facilities potentially opening for practices. So have you been waiting for that, whether it comes to a gym or a pool for lessons or the rink, you know, is that something that's been on your list? Have you been dying to go to the gym, but without the mask. I mean, we've only had the gyms reopen for a few weeks now. Maybe you haven't been going to the gym because they don't have group classes. And that's been part of the challenge for many of those small gyms, like the, the, the spin cycles and the yogas and the, um, the other classes that are offered, that that's pretty much how their gym functions. So I think it really just depends on where you're at. Personally, I, 
I don't see much in there that makes me think, oh, well, that'll be finally, that'll be really great. I do. I do like the idea of expanding the size of your outdoor gatherings. We're warming up. You know, people might want to have a fire in their backyard. Uh, if you're allowed to, you might want to just have people talk in the driveway without feeling like you're, you know, how long have we been standing here and how are we far enough apart and all those kinds of things. So I don't know. I, it's going to be, it's going to be deeply personal for a lot of people, but it's not, it's whatever's coming down the pipe unless they've added to it in recent weeks. I'm not, in recent days rather, I don't think it's going to be that dramatic. Maybe it's worship. Maybe they will increase capacity at places of worship and that's something that's really significant to you. So I don't, I, I had to rank all these things yesterday in that survey and I even struggled to rank what my priority would be, to be honest. Well, and I, I, you have to imagine as well that allowing indoor recreation at places like rinks will be beneficial as well, especially with the river trail shutting down mm-hmm. as of last mm-hmm. night. I mean, last night was the last night and the outdoor rinks are, you, you got to imagine they're all dead in the water. Literally the water this week with the temperature going up to 11 degrees. Right. By Saturday, so if anybody wants to strap on some skates, they're going to have to do that indoors. And uh, just to, or if you just want to go out and have some fun, like go, they're talking about indoor places like arcades and go or go kart tracks and children's facilities to at least open at twenty five percent. Of course, with physical distancing measures in place. But that's another activity you could do uh, with a significant other or with your family. Go to a place like Speed sure. World. So yeah, I mean there are some there is there are some things in here that are are good uh, that do make sense and others where you just kind of go that doesn't help anything. Yeah, no, and, and that's a fair conversation. It's difficult because the priorities and that's what this has all been about for the last year, right? It's been balancing priorities and how on earth do you, do, you, do you keep those priorities? Um, how do you how do you how do you modify one rule when you know there's going to be cause and effect? to the result with regard to the number of infections, the number of people in hospital. It's, it's been a tremendous balancing act. And once again, I'm glad that I'm not the one making those decisions because, Good you know, they're more. trying to keep people alive, but they're also trying to figure out how do we keep businesses alive? How do we keep our economy alive as well? That's a balancing act. I don't want anything to do with in terms of responsibility. It's actually plus two. Had to do a refresh on my browser. <laughs> Plus two degrees. Woo. All right. We're on our way to five degrees. It's Mackling McGarry McNabb. We've got two tickets to the Zoo Lights Festival at Assiniboine Park up for grabs. We've been asking you if you could live anywhere in Manitoba, no matter how silly a suggestion, where would that be and why? We had one person say the uh, turn of the century town in the Manitoba Museum. That would be a fun place to live. Yes. Yeah. And then well, it's got the movie theater. What else is there? <laughs> yeah, I think a little apothecary. A, yeah, there's oh, a restaurant, I believe. Oh, and of course, you've got nearby access to the nonsuch. Absolutely. <laughs> and they also suggested the Dalnavert Museum, which yes. is a, a really neat place. But of course, the one time I've been inside there, I went there for a Halloween themed. <laughs> now you're scared of it? Yeah. And they, they I, I don't know if it was just part of the show, but they said that it was haunted. Uh, there was one specific part of the property that was haunted. It's a creepy old place, but in that context, of course, it was creepy. It's a lovely spot, so that would be neat. But we decided to go with Heather because just for the, her sheer enthusiasm for Manitoba. She gave us not one but six suggestions, so let's just plow through them here. She started with the old brick water pump house on Waterfront Drive, north of the Forks. That's right on the river. It's now a restaurant. That restaurant is Chibo. And she also said the Manitoba Clinic. 
Uh, or Winnipeg Clinic. I think, is it the Winnipeg Clinic? I think it is. Downtown that looks like it could be from the Jetsons cartoon with the protruding windows and the stainless steel accents. Yeah, she definitely means Winnipeg Clinic because the Manitoba Clinic has been redone. It's no more. Right, so, by uh, HSC, uh, right? Unless she wants the parking lot. There's that. There's plenty <laughs> of parking lots for options, Heather, so I hear you. She also flagged the old post office in Stonewall, which was designed by a student of the famous architecture Franklin Lloyd White. Right. And next up, Stone Fortress in Churchill. The stonework is apparently exceptional. She's a, she's got another pitch here coming up for Churchill. She's a, she could be a spokesperson for Churchill, Greg. <laughs> I like that. And then the White House on Portage near Maine because it is so elegant and has statues and outdoor space up on the roof. In fact, that uh, that house, that living place is for sale or has been for sale in the last year. Loren? Yeah, and her final pitch, which is a great one, it might explain her connection to Churchill. She said she would also live in the original greenhouse built by her cousin and late husband in Churchill. The view through the picture windows from the third floor is the Hudson Bay. To the east is the Churchill River. To the west, sunrises, sunsets, chips, wildlife, polar bears, northern fauna, and much more. My cousin called it her volume room. I sitting, I say sitting in there is better than volume. So, Heather, Wow. Keep them coming, I guess, Heather. She's probably not done. Congratulations, Heather. You win the two tickets to Zoo Lights at Assiniboine Park. It's on until March 28th. Thanks for all of your texts. Some great ideas this morning on cool places to live in Manitoba. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.